0: Welcome to the Judgment Enforcement Hour with Joe Dickerson. In our program, we reveal the unrealistic expectations of many creditors and the schemes of debtors and fraudsters that are nearly as old as man's time on earth. Now, here is your host, Joe Dickerson, with the new processes to outsmart the bad guys.
1: Good evening, Mr. Miss America, and welcome to the Judgment Enforcement Hour. We have a special guest with us this evening, Uh, Mr. Andy Kindred. Andy is a certified information systems security professional and a certified information privacy professional. Uh, Andy and I have known each other and worked together for 20 plus years and I'm excited that he could find time to be with us today and we're going to be talking about uh, cyber investigation tips and tricks. Uh, He'll be covering some email tracing techniques that uh, he certainly has perfected, as have a few other people, and we'll be talking about exposing the cyber bullies and uh, some investigation techniques that will be uh, valuable to those of you out there in uh, podcast world. That work in the legal community or in the uh, investigation field and those of you who are victims of uh, fraud embezzlement or have unenforced judgments which of course is what we always specialize in. uh, Andy, tell us a little bit about your background and experience and what brings you uh, to the point where we are today to
2: be able to talk about this. Well, thanks Joe for having me. Uh, I was a private investigator for for many years, and and as technology developed, I got more and more interested in the technology field and how it could aid private investigators. Um, I entered into the computer forensics field, um, which I I worked for a couple of years, but but didn't enjoy that much, and uh, ended up uh, uh, getting deep into how technology can help investigators, and and that's proved to be a pretty Pretty valuable thing since uh, so many, so much of our conduct is conducted online these days. Uh, banking, financing, harassment, fraud, things of that nature. Um, so I, uh, I got deep into the cyber uh, security field. I work for a large technology company during the day and I assist law enforcement investigators uh, at night. With cases and uh, and generally we have to track people and identify people who w- who try to be anonymous.
1: So that's great. Sounds like you have a lot of uh, interesting background and experience. So let's just jump right into uh, the tips of the, and tricks of the trade and uh, talk about a few. War story? No, those are case histories nowadays, aren't <laughs> case they? Histories. They were war stories back when I was in law enforcement. Now they're case histories because that's much
2: more important. Okay, Andy. So uh, I'd like to start off with a few examples of, of some cases, and and I think this will this will entertain as well as introduce the topics. Um, we a lot of times uh, people either harass other people, or they attempt to conduct fraud, or they they attempt to embezzle or, or um, extort money from people and trying to remain anonymous at the same time. Um, sometimes these are done through emails. Sometimes either these are done through cell phones, SMS text messages. That's not my motorcycle. Okay. <laughs> um, and that's where we we get called in to help. Um, we we've assisted uh, we've assisted. Uh, um, uh, a large uh, director of a of a of a medical establishment who whose uh, home computer got hacked, and there were all kinds of pictures that he would rather not be released. That this person attempted to uh, extort money out of him uh, instead of releasing. Um, so we jumped in and and uh, and worked our magic to identify who was at the other end of those uh, those extortion emails so um, so generally speaking it boils down to identifying the the IP address or some other factors within an email um, or attributes within an email and tracing that IP address back to the originator or back to the person that, that was conducting that behavior so do you have to
1: have the equipment to do that I mean the actual computers that it was received on or sent from? Or can you just take maybe a printout and take that and go back and uh, do magic with your computers in your laboratory? So, it
2: it depends. Of course. (laughs) And and you knew that was going to be my answer. Um, There there are, uh, sticking to just emails, one of the things that... uh, One of the things that emails have that most people don't see are things called email headers, and those are the 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 technical traces of how that email got delivered to its recipient, Um, how how it went from the person that sent it to the recipient, and many times there are clues in those headers that can specifically that IP address of the sender that we can glean from that email. And and many times identify or or at least uh, uh, get a general location of the person that sent that email. Um, Let me give you an example and ask you a question. Then,
1: uh, say I'm investigating a case and uh, I find out that my bad guy either has had or currently has, let's hypothetically say five email addresses. If I just provide those to you, can you tell me if, one, are they still good? Are they active? And can you gather any kind of information from it by me just giving you those addresses?
2: Many times, yes. Um, You've led me into a nice little trick that uh, is often overlooked, but one of the best ways to identify who someone is from an email, a lot of times email addresses uh, sound anonymous or they're generic or random, uh, is plugging them into a Facebook account. Um, if you, if you go to the password recovery part, uh, of Facebook, uh, of the Facebook page and enter an email or a phone number, many times that will reveal the account of the person associated with that email or phone number, which is a really, really tech, uh, really valuable technique that we've used through the years. So you know who the person is, you know, who the person is then generally speaking, and, uh, uh, one, if the if we don't have emails already from the person, um, there are a few facilities and, and resources that we can use to uh, to attempt to figure out the IP address of the person who owns that email. It involves sending them an email, but it involves sending them a specially crafted email or using a service. One of those services is one called Banana Tag. Uh, It's free for uh, trial use and and not very expensive to use uh, afterwards. Uh, But what these services do um, is they will send an email on your behalf to the person whose email you have. It can be a generic one. It can look like an advertisement. But if they open that email, we get a notification um, of the IP address that opened it with a general location of that person. It's a very valuable technique. Uh, we we use it pretty, pretty consistently. So at least
1: at that point, you know they're still using that address. Yes, and when you say the general location, are you saying like it's in California or it's in Florida
2: or it's generally citywide, okay. um, a citywide location. Um, the um, so if you have emails already, there, there are some systems where you can analyze those headers. Um, some of these resources, uh, I think you've mentioned you might make available on your website after the podcast. Certainly, be I, happy to. Yes, many of them are links and and, and I encourage your, your listeners to, to experiment with some of these because it's kind of fun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and before we go any further, let me just uh, clarify the fact that any of these things that you're talking about are legal to use and they're not uh, fattening or habit forming, so uh, you can use them without repercussions. They
2: are no calories. Okay, and uh, if we do stumble into some of the gray areas, I'll, I'll make sure and mention it. Okay. Um, so, so emails um, that so. so there are limited there's limited uh, there there are other sources that you can you can use to check emails uh, to see if they're valid or not or to see what other things are associated with them one of them is a site that um, allows you to check if your email has been hacked you yeah, it's it's uh have I been and again that link will make available later because the spelling is not natural but you enter an email address and it will let you know, it's generally used to check your own email address to see if it's been hacked. And if it has been hacked or compromised, it'll give you a list of the sites from which it was hacked. Now, if you enter your bad guy's email address, one of your five, as you mentioned, into this site, you can do one, two, three, four, five, it's, it's free. It will let you know if his email was hacked. More importantly, it will give you uh, sites... Uh, such as LinkedIn or other sites where he's had an account that may have been hacked. Maybe it's a bank. Maybe it's a retail organization. Maybe it's a work site that he worked from, worked at before. This will give you a lot of additional information potentially about that email.
1: Well, that's good to know, I guess, if you're Caring about whether or not your bad guy's been hacked, but uh, it might be the other way around
2: that we're more interested in. (laughs) Well, these sites, these additional sites and resources that this email address has been associated with, uh, like I said, might be a bank. It might be somebody you'd want to subpoena. Um, We have found this to be very valuable when when attempting to identify someone or attempting to identify where they may have worked in the past. It uh, gives us additional leads uh, into investigating this person's uh, this person's past or associations, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's hacking been involved with no, that. Absolutely not. Okay.
1: Yes. Um, the um, how far back can you get information like that from? Years, for years. Years
2: and and uh, uh, we we, um, if I may, I'd like to like to. Uh, Share a case that I worked on that sure that had to do with emails, and uh, it may not be directly uh, directly related to financial investigations, but I, th- I think it's pretty pretty interesting nonetheless. Good, go for it. Um, we we got called from an attorney uh, or from an investigator who said that he had been hired by an attorney because his client uh, had walked into work one day and his badge didn't work. So he went to Human Resources, and Human Resources informed him that uh, he no longer worked there because they accepted his emailed resignation. Um, he was shocked because he hadn't sent an email with a resignation letter in it, um, but they had, uh, this company, a very, very large company, had chosen to accept it anyway. They, uh, they hired the attorney. He, uh, he subpoenaed the company. They got, uh, all they got was the email address, and the, um, and the body of the email, which said, I, I resigned, don't contact me anymore. <laughs> they, <laughs> this email came from Google. Um, we, we subpoenaed Google. Google gave us the IP address of the entity that opened the email account. That is the only thing they would give us. They would not give us content. They would not give us activity history They would not give us anything except, they would not give us the phone number associated with the opening of this particular Gmail account. All they would do is give us the IP address. We we started doing our basic searches on the IP address, which I'll cover maybe a little bit later in the next section. Um, But we ended up doing some forensic reviews of our client's email boxes. So emails that he had gotten in the past. From uh, the time of while he was employed at this company and prior to him being employed by his company, um, we found that IP address in an email in his inbox. It was an email address that came from his boss. His boss. His boss. His boss had faked an email address and faked an email to the company and um, with him, uh, with his he, employee's resignation. With his employee's resignation. He was not brave enough to fire his own employee. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> so what were the repercussions from that? <laughs> the repercussions were that he was offered his job back. He declined. He, he got a significant payout. And uh, his boss doesn't work for the company anymore.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say he was hired back to take his <laughs> boss's job. No, he uh, declined. He he, he, he got, came out he, a little better. He did good. Well, it's nice that there was some, at least some financial justice that went with that.
2: So uh, that took, that takes a little bit of a technique and some specialized tools uh, because you can't. I mean, you could do you could look at your emails and the headers one at a time, but to but to look at all of the emails and search by a particular IP address in your email box. would take some specific techniques and some specific tools.
1: Give me an idea from the time that you received this engagement until the time you were able to give them your final report with a verdict in it. About a week. About a week. That's not too long to save a man's career. (laughs) I thought it was (laughs) pretty
2: good. Get to the bottom of it. The case had been ongoing for about a year. Before, before you got it, before I got contacted, yes, yep. Oh, one week, week return on a year's
1: investment was pretty good. <laughs> pretty good result for.
2: Got some more of those? I've got a couple more. Um, I, I wanted to say that, that this one came through the High Technology Crime Investigator mm-hmm. Association, um, and that's where I, I do a lot of my work or, or do a lot of my consulting. Uh, it's a it's a uh, and so there are a lot of law enforcement cases in there. So we, we help law enforcement often uh, track potential terror attacks and and terrorist threats. So a lot of these threats will come over over social media. Um, they'll come over emails. They'll come through Facebook posts or public posts on uh, on news sites. And I'll get into into how we track those into the next section. Good. So, what else do you
1: have to share with us before we have to go to break here in a couple of minutes?
2: Um, just that if uh, if you are getting bullied, if you are if you are a sub uh, if you are looking for someone on the on the internet, and you're trying to find information about them based on limited information such as an email address, uh, there are some pretty pretty neat techniques that you can employ. Um, the, uh, one of the neater tricks that we've do- we've utilized in the past is if pictures are involved. Uh, not too many people know that if you get sent a picture, there might be location data in that picture, and it's it's a pretty easy thing to do to view the the geolocation within a picture to identify where that picture was taken. When you say where, are you talking about? Physically where addresses? Yes. What, what do you mean? A lot of times people's cellular phones in particular will embed the location, the geolocation of the phone into that picture. And you can extract that, geo those latitudes and longitude from that picture and figure out where that picture was taken. And that can get you down to the physical address of where the picture was made?
1: Right on top of that person. And will it tell you? how long ago or the date related to when it was usually it's also time-stamped time-stamped also all right well it's time for us to go to break now so let's uh break for a little commercial and we'll be back in a couple of minutes
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Learn why 80% of civil money judgments are never enforced in the United States. Ensure that you have the best chance to actually recover your judgment and get the money the court awarded to you. Order a copy of Joe Dickerson's new book, Diagnostic and Prescriptive Judgment Enforcement, you can get your copy for just 2495 with no shipping and handling costs. Call 303-974-5610 or order via email from Joe at Financial dot com. That's 303-974-5610 or Joe at Financial dot com. Did you know that 80% of civil judgments awarded to creditors are never collected? Be one of the 20% that successfully collects. Joe Dickerson is the nation's leading financial forensic expert. Contact Joe at 303-974-5610 or by email to joe at financialforensicservices.com for a free consultation about your judgment enforcement needs. That's 303-974-5610 or joe at FinancialForensicServices.com for your free judgment enforcement initial consultation with Joe Dickerson. Contact him today.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: You are tuned in to the Judgment Enforcement Hour. To reach host Joe Dickerson or his guest this week, call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show.
1: All right. Back from break, Andy. We've covered a lot of territory here concerning the email tracing. Let's start uh this section by talking about exposing cyber bullies and uh, that's a broad subject it covers uh, exposing a lot besides just teenagers that are being bullied but uh, that of course is something the parents are interested in and we need to address that and we'll get into the related business aspects of that if we may.
2: Yes so cyber bullying uh, it's a hot topic it's something that uh, we work quite a bit but the same techniques that would be used to find a cyberbully—somebody that's uh, sending harassing texts to to someone or a child, or or sending threats to someone, or uh, or maybe a a, a witness that uh, you have a phone number from, or you're getting information from that you need to identify. Um, there there are. There uh, I spoke at the beginning about extortion and extortion attempts. We, we, we work cases with ransomware. We've worked cases where, where people have broken into someone's computers and, and, uh, and threatened to uh, expose sensitive information about them. There's a term called doxing, which is where someone will, will publicly display personal information about someone in hopes of embarrassing them. Criminal, maybe a criminal history, maybe maybe pictures. Uh, one of the cases I more than one of the cases I've worked had to do with 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 women in maybe their college years of uh, uh, sharing too much information, uh, personal pictures that they shouldn't have, and you know, overly exposed. and And those pictures reoccur on the internet and and we've had to track who who uh, had possession of those pictures and kept reposting them. Um so but but um again what, what what are
1: the consequences for that is that a crime or is it uh, just bad
2: judgment I believe now it's a crime we we uh, when it comes to those types of pictures we we generally speaking it's enough to just expose the person doing it because because so many people on the internet think they're anonymous of and course. they they feel that they have this this uh uh in, Immunity because they're, they're anonymous. Once exposed, um, once exposed, they, they generally uh, are, are pretty, uh, pretty fragile and benign people. Um, some of the cases we've worked have been hackers, hardcore uh, hardcore hackers, uh, as far away as the Ukraine, um, and we we've been able to expose them. And once exposed, they they stop their activity. Geography is really not an issue when the Type thing you're talking about here is it? it's not, um, and and uh, I won't get too much into the the, the, the nuances of of advanced uh, anonymization techniques, but but that uh, it's not always possible. This is this is a really gray area. It's an inexact science, but but a lot of times, what, what's that saying? We don't always catch the smart ones. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of these criminals just aren't too bright. So um I, as I left off uh, with the email tracing, we, we we were able to get an IP address. Well, that's usually uh, the core and the crux of what we're trying to gather uh, or what we're trying to acquire when we're trying to trace somebody. If somebody is, uh, there there are services out there which allow someone to anonymize a phone um, and create a fake phone number and send texts to to people. Whether that be news media, uh, law enforcement, a, a, a person who's being extorted, or you know, a child being cyberbullied, and these phone numbers, y- using our traditional investigation techniques, you're not able to associate with the person who's sending these texts. Um, so this person feels as though they're anonymous. One of those uh, one of those apps is called BurnerApp.com. Um, And you can install an application on a phone, get a random phone number, and it's that phone number that shows up in the recipient's text. So, um, and I have to get a little bit technical here, but, but generally speaking, if someone is using their phone and it's connected to their home Wi-Fi or their work Wi-Fi, it's that IP address that we attempt to find. So, there are some services out there that allow you to send this person a link Um, or a text with a link in it that if they click on it um, we will be able to capture their IP address once we have that IP address we attempt to associate that with the person sending it almost almost uh, immediately we can associate that with a general geographical area sometimes that's enough in a lot of the cases we work we already have a list of suspects so let's say one of them is in, one of them is in Aust- We one of our suspects is in Australia, and one of them is in California, and one of them is in New York. Uh, if that IP address comes from New York, we're pretty confident we know who it was. Yeah. Um, and in one case, we 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 had a uh, uh, a gentleman being extorted for for thirty thousand dollars, or they were going to release pictures of his wife. Um, this was a pretty wealthy man. He could afford the money, but he, he was also pretty, pretty angry at these guys. And we were able to identify that these people were one in Austria and one in South Africa. We, uh, we threatened uh, them with, a, with an email through the attorney that uh, instead of paying them the $30,000, we were going to spend that $30,000 on tracking them down and turning them over to law enforcement. <laughs> and it was enough that we knew that they were in Austria, Austria. I'm sorry, I misspoke. I said Australia before. That we knew they were in Austria, and the other one was in South uh, Africa, that uh, that they uh, stopped bothering this man.
1: So You let them know you knew where they were. Yeah, huh? we let
2: them know. We, know. we let them know we were coming after them. Yeah. Um, so with that IP address, there there are other things that we can sometimes associate with that person almost immediately. Sometimes those IP addresses are associated with a work IP address. Um, uh, we've had cases that were so simple that we called into work and and uh, asked the technological guy. We said, "Hey, we're getting some weird traffic from this IP address, and um, wonder if you could help us, you know, identify." Um, we've we've got the, 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 we've got some additional information in the, in this uh, in this link. Uh, and a lot of the times the technical guys will help us identify the actual person who is behind a specific computer. That's embarrassing because if they connect us to that guy on his business phone and we say, hey, would you would you stop bothering our client? They generally will. You <laughs> understand. Or if
1: he doesn't help you, he probably is going to go have a conversation with that employee shortly yes. thereafter, yep. or with his boss.
2: Yes. So we try to be benign. It depends on how serious the case is. Um, we've, uh, uh, with some additional techniques, um, we can take that IP address and uh, actually turn it into a house. Some uh, some of the advanced techniques that we use. In, in our tracing, is uh, is uh, you know that thing when you go to a website and it says, "Hey, I'd like to look, I'd like to see your location. Will you allow me to see your location?" <laughs> Have you seen those when you oh, yeah. when you go to uh, weather.com? Might be one. Well, that uses an advanced technique uh, in in the programming language JavaScript to get your actual physical location. Um, off of the phone or the device that you're using. And this location technique is extremely precise, down to maybe a few yards of where you are. If if that person is dumb enough again to click on, yes, allow this site to see my location, which a lot of times the, the younger kids will do as a reflex, yeah. we can get them right down to where they are. Um, we've showed up at people's doors and said, would you please stop bothering Mr. Johnson? So and we've caught uh, we've caught uh, hackers this way and we've caught uh, potential terrorists this way. Um, go ahead. It,
1: i was just thinking this kind of takes the place of the old days when they uh, had to go through the phone company with a subpoena to hack a phone or to ping a phone to tell
2: where it was located. That and that's that's a great analogy. Um, so, would you like me to Go continue ahead. with this? Yes, please. Because <laughs> I'm having fun. <laughs> Good. So, another thing we can do, uh, there's a great website out there called Shodan.io. And Shodan um, allows, uh, Shodan is, is essentially attempted to uh, map the internet uh, by IP address and and to let you know what kind of things are running on these IP addresses and on the website itself it goes it has a little banner and it says we've mapped the internet to let you search for and this little thing moves and it says uh, internet of things refrigerators cameras um, uh, 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 control systems Um, so it's pretty neat Now. What this might do if you plug in an IP address that you're interested in is indicate what might be available on that IP address. If those things that are running on this IP address are not secured, you might be able to go into them and see what kind of information they might give you. So I'm being a little abstract. Let me give you something a little more construct. Um, we found refrigerators that were wide open. These new advanced super refrigerators that let you know when your milk is out—they hmm. also allow you to have grocery lists of people in your family and the names the of names those of people, people in, who in the family. Grocery store. Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you had, if you got into somebody's website and it said Joe and Barb, <laughs> you might know who it was that you're looking at. Uh huh. So it's it's allowed us to do things like that. Sometimes cameras are exposed. Sometimes people leave the default usernames and passwords on their cameras. Now This might be a little bit of a gray area, but a default username and password on a camera or no password at all, might allow you to see what the camera sees. Um, in one particular case, the camera was one of these outdoor cameras that, um, that you know acts as a doorbell camera. Mm-hmm. We were able to see the street address of the house across the street and the street sign at the corner. That gave us a pretty good idea what the house was. Yeah. <laughs> we were, again, able to knock on the door and say, would you please stop bothering our customer? So
1: Good information. The, yeah.
2: So all these
1: homes that are now uh, controlled electronically where you can, uh, been seeing on TV here lately, that you can uh, lock your house while you're out fly fishing. Uh,
2: Open yeah. your garage door. Yeah. Uh, set off your burglar alarm. Um, you can reprogram water heaters and thermostats, and you can let your dog out. You, you can feed your dog. I mean, there are all kinds of things that they, you're talking about, the Internet of Things. But these things help us as investigators. Yeah, so really anybody that uh, has their home
1: wired for these kind of services are also exposing themselves to a lot of dastardly deeds by uh, people that uh, may not be friendly to them. Yes, uh, if they chose to do so
2: yes, security is a big deal and 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 that's the that's more the field I work in um so I tend to gravitate towards security discussions but uh um but the, but they uh but you absolutely if if you're someone that that needs to protect yourself and protect your interests, it's those kinds of things that you need to pay attention to that your d s l routers and your business or your home um your 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 children's use of their of their mobile devices is also a big deal yeah
1: we we have some friends that live here in colorado that also uh have a home in texas and uh they have a uh a neighbor here in colorado that uh, from all appearances has some serious mental problems and uh it causes him to use very poor judgment on frequent occasions and uh, uh unbeknownst to our uh, neighbors uh their texas home has been put on the market two or three times to be sold and they keep getting all these calls uh you know uh, tell me about your home you have for sale well our home's not for sale well it's listed and uh i'm thinking they may need to know who listed their home and uh, we probably can help them with that if need be we can help them <laughs> we probably could there's okay. a pretty good
2: likelihood that we can okay all right, uh, very good. Well, let's go on with some of these. These are very interesting. So another, another case, this is a public case, not work that, one that I worked on, but I think it, it very well demonstrates the, some of the risk, is that a neighbor had a beef with another neighbor. Um, the neighbor had his uh, Wi-Fi exposed and it was easily accessible. The bad neighbor connected to the good neighbor's wireless internet downloaded a whole bunch of child pornography and then notified authorities that he thought his neighbor was a child pornographer the police came in and actually arrested the good neighbor and he uh, he was uh, the FBI was involved and, and they eventually exonerated him and eventually were able to figure out how the bad neighbor did what he did to the good neighbor. That evidence was, was on the router of the good neighbor. Um, and it takes some pretty advanced techniques to find that and catch that. If the bad neighbor would have been more technically savvy, he probably would have ridden. gone away with that. Yeah. Um, okay, a little more time here. Um, in another case, um, a person left his computer unlocked at work. Uh, a bad employee, a guy that had a beef with him, uh, went to his computer and sent an email to the president threatening to kill him. Guess what happened then? <laughs> yeah. They traced it back to the <laughs> they did rather quickly. Yeah. And, uh, and luckily that guy had an alibi. He was in a meeting with his boss, so uh, they were able this was be, they didn't have cameras. Um, they were able to they were able to, through the use of fingerprints on the keyboard, identify who actually sent the email. But these things are, you know, harassment and and vandalism and things like that occur on the internet just like they do in real life. Have you had any occasions
1: where this kind of activity has uh, been a part of any Ponzi scheme activity on a large area?
2: I have not. I have not been involved in any of those types of cases, yet. But would be an interesting
1: uh, area to apply your skills to, I would think. Certainly a lot of information out there. Well, that's great. Uh, we've got time for about... Uh, no, we don't. we got time to talk about another one after we get back from break, which we're going to just a few minutes from now. Go ahead. You had another matter you were going to share
2: with us? I, um, I'm trying to think of a case that might be more pertinent to... Oh, um, we had a runaway child. We had a a runaway 15-year-old, and the the parents were desperate to find her, but they were pretty sure she'd run off with her 19-year-old boyfriend, and she had, um, and she was communicating with the mom over email once a day at about 3.30. We were able to use these same techniques uh, to identify the Starbucks in California. This was a Colorado to California case where the daughter went every day. So the parents didn't want to involve law enforcement. This the, was, wasn't a bad kid; She just made a bad decision and ran off with this boy. So they were able to fly to California, show up at the Starbucks, uh, where they had a tearful reunion with the daughter, and she said, "I'm sorry, and can I come back home?" Drinks are on mom and dad. Drinks today. are on mom and dad. So uh, that's it's nice when a story
1: like that can end on the good side. So, uh,
2: yeah, there there are a number of these. Um, I um, I'll get into maybe some of the more advanced uh, tracking techniques later that uh, where we have to circumvent uh, uh, cloaking techniques that, that that's, uh, more sophisticated attackers will use, um, things like terrorists or wannabe terrorists or jerks like that. okay? Uh, so when you say cloaking techniques, anonymization techniques using anonymous proxies and things of that nature. Okay, so they're designing uh, ways to not show
1: their real location or their real IP addresses, yep. giving you false information when yep.
2: you're going through your normal process. Exactly. But
1: you can detect that also, I assume.
2: There are ways that if, if they're not, not brainchilds, they're not Mensa members, sometimes we can we can catch them too. Okay, very good. Well, Let's take a break here,
1: and we'll be back to uh, talk about some of these really advanced techniques uh, after this short break.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Did you know that 80% of civil judgments awarded to creditors are never collected? Be one of the 20% that successfully collects. Joe Dickerson is the nation's leading financial forensic expert. Contact Joe at 303-974-5610 or by email to joe at financialforensicservices.com for a free consultation about your judgment enforcement needs. That's 303-974-5610 or joe at FinancialForensicServices.com for your free judgment enforcement initial consultation with Joe Dickerson. Contact him today. Learn why 80% of civil money judgments are never enforced in the United States. Ensure that you have the best chance to actually recover your judgment and get the money the court awarded to you. Order a copy of Joe Dickerson's new book, Diagnostic and Prescriptive Judgment Enforcement, you can get your copy for just twenty four ninety five with no shipping and handling costs. Call 303-974-5610 or order via email from Joe at FinancialForensicServices.com. That's 303-974-5610 or Joe at FinancialForensicServices.com.
2: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
0: You are tuned in to the Judgment Enforcement Hour. To reach host Joe Dickerson or his guest this week, call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show.
1: Okay, we're back from break. Andy, let's uh, talk about some of these more advanced techniques and some other things that uh, you've got up your short sleeve here that we haven't even covered
2: <laughs> well i uh, uh, i I present it uh, at at some conferences and and I, and I present a uh, a package I called modern PI voodoo. I presented it at a lot of uh, annual private investigator conferences all over the United States, high technology crime investigators association conferences, and things of that nature. Maybe one in New Orleans with the voodoo, huh? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, so one thing that uh, we we found is is still successful. That's not so technical is, that, is sending people gift cards. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you remember back in the day, Joe, when, when we used to have to, to figure out who a guy was calling and we'd, we'd send them a, a, a prepaid long distance phone card remember that wasn't that was probably before my time
1: and was it it? (laughs) yes (laughs) i do remember that
2: and uh heard stories and the and the mom would swear that 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 the son didn't live there anymore and the person we were looking for didn't live there and uh but it ended up that uh she'd hand that long distance phone card to to the boy that didn't live there and then we'd figure out who he was calling and when he was calling it on mama's phone yeah mama's phone we'd figure out We'd figure out who his associates were and, and, and where he probably worked and things like that. Well, nowadays, you know those gift cards? you ever gotten a gift card? On occasions. Have you ever noticed that on a gift card, it'll let you look up what the purchase history was for that gift card? No, I've never looked at that. So they, they, have, a little, uh, they have a little website at the back of every gift card that says, log in using this gift card number. And you can see the purchases that were made with this gift card.
1: So I can see what my wife's been buying with the gift card I give her, huh?
2: And you can, if you you remember that number before you give it to somebody. Uh, Have to scan it first. (laughs) (laughs) You can then later see what they bought and where they bought it. Which has been, we found that to be a pretty useful technique to figure out where somebody was. Or where they go.
1: Okay, particularly if they're again going to the same Starbucks over and over, the same
2: store, Starbucks gas station lunch, dinner bars, yeah. things like that. Um, I'm not sure if uh, uh, I'm not sure if, if many of your listeners are aware of this, but there are. I'm careful where I park these days. One of the reasons is that there are location services that track your location and associate your location with where you parked based on your tag number. And they create these, these marketing companies create these profiles about you. If they've, and they, they aggregate this data and they can figure out that you parked in front of a liquor store a lot, or you parked in front of a bar a lot, or you parked in front of an abortion clinic. Or you parked in front of a church or a mosque, and they can they can associate that behavior with your location. Okay.
1: Is this the same type equipment that uh, some of the cities are using to uh, check for parking tickets that are owed by? Uh, people with certain vehicles. I know there's cars that drive around and they've got this little camera on the
2: front that catches every license plate on the parked on the parked cars. Yes, and most of those most of those uh, plate capture technologies are not owned by government. Mm-hmm. Most of them are owned by independent uh, private companies, who can do other things with that data as they see fit.
1: Um, Maybe on the government's payroll, but whatever they capture, the they we also, use otherwise
2: most uh most of these marketing companies are, are are very responsible when it comes to that data but that data gets breached you know there might be some compromising information about you that you may not want disclosed
1: let me ask you about something i think might be in your area of expertise and that's uh, what we used to call burner phones what information can you get to trace those things back or what can you get from them
2: not a lot. Uh, you, you mean if you have the actual physical device, or if well, if you have the physical device, yes, uh, you can get everything. Just about. Um, just about. There's there's forensic software out there that, that can grab most of the information off of a phone, unless it's encrypted. Um, the 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 thing that we look for these days, if we have physical phone, isn't so much what's on the phone. It's what's stored in the cloud and associated with that phone Uh, picture you you know when you get a new phone and you turn it in and BAM automatically all your contact information and all your pictures and all that stuffs uh, on your new phone well that's because it's stored in the cloud sure so when you get a new when you get a phone of a suspect or somebody that you're investigating it's that kind of thing that you look for these days
1: okay but if you don't get the phone can you learn anything from these burner phones by uh, knowing maybe what number was called to your uh, client's phone that a threat was made from <coughs> off of what turned out to be a burner phone
2: yes and no and and we'll get into the last um, the last deep feature about how we track people and 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 if we really have to go after somebody and, and uh, whether it's somebody using a burner phone or somebody use a computer on the other side of the world and it's a serious issue there's some techniques out there that that will allow us to potentially get remote access to that device okay um and, and again this this may or may not be legal depending on your particular circumstances uh, contact law enforcement or, or uh, somebody who sure. understands cyber law um, but there's a uh, there's a a utility out there, one of many, called the beef. Uh, it's called Beef. It stands for Browser Exploitation Framework. Um, your listeners can look at that. We'll have a link to that on the uh, on your website, website. later. Um, and what this essentially does is, if somebody can be tricked into into going to a web page, it will install software on their computer, whether it be a burner phone with a browser, whether it be a PC or a tablet or an iPad or something like that. And depending on the security configurations of the device will allow us to control certain aspects of that device. Things like what Wi-Fi network do they happen to be connected to? Um, It might allow us to control their actual entire screen and view what's on their screen. Uh, Control their mouse turn on their camera, actually turn on their uh, microphone on the device. Um, We've assisted law enforcement in identifying people across the pond um, who, who have threatened and have actually successfully compromised computer networks. So we've been able to actually take a picture of our person, identify the exact location where they are, and listen to their conversations. Pretty somebody local go knock on their door and have law enforcement <laughs> go lock yes, on their door. That's
1: what I'm saying. Yes.
2: <laughs> so uh, sometimes these are very dangerous people. Um, of course. Um, and some and it's using that te- So so I I got a little ahead of myself. I was going to set this up a little bit better, but you you tricked me into, into going. <laughs> Um, but there are anonymization networks, uh, VPN services that allow people to. Hide that IP address that we were talking about before. That was so valuable. There's a thing called the the Tor, um, the the Tor network. T O R. Uh, again, we'll provide a link to that um, later, and it allows people using uh, using a special browser um, to bounce their traffic all over the world, encrypted. You know those those things you see on the on some of these uh, TV shows where they're trying to track an IP address and or a, or a phone call and it shows it bouncing all over the world. Oh yeah. That's a reality. That that actually that actually is readily available. It was created by the Navy. And it stood for the Onion Network, and its original purpose was to allow communication in the event that that vast areas of the internet were were subject to bombing or or other denial of service. So, since it was Navy, that's why I see it so much on NCIC. That's probably it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Very good. All right. Well, that's that's very interesting. what else do you have for us along those lines here before we have to close? We've oh, got about another eight minutes.
2: Another eight minutes. Um, here's one of my favorite techniques. Let's say you wanted to identify somebody's Facebook friends, but they didn't want to let you. They made it private. Okay. There's kind of a neat trick that, where, that you can use to figure out who those friends are. So... Say so you have a target. You want to figure out who else he knows. Uh, let's say that uh, you have his Facebook account, and he won't—he probably won't respond to you—and um, that's—that's all you have is this Facebook account. You create a Facebook account, a brand new one, uh, whether it be an alias of yours. Somehow you have to create a Facebook account with no friends in it whatsoever. You send this. You send your target. A friend request uh, and then you immediately revoke that request so now you have a Facebook account and you don't have any friends you're a lonely person Facebook thinks that uh, well since you don't have any friends and this guy's got a bunch of friends perhaps you know his friends and it will send you do you happen to know the following people list which the only thing they have to go on is the one person that you sent a request to the only person and so now you know who his friends are kind of a neat technique it is we've used that we've used that pretty uh pretty consistently another thing we find out is that if we're investigating a business um after that business gets into some financial trouble or some legal trouble um they uh they might hide their they might they might change their web address. They might change their web address to not disclose information that you might have wanted to know about them prior to them changing it. Uh-huh. So there's a there's a website called Archive.org, which allows you to go into their the history of the website and and view previous versions of that website. Um, A great example that I use in my training is my former tenure at the PPIAC. You can't find that on the internet. That's the Professional Private Investigators Association of Colorado, is it not? I was the secretary, I was the VP of membership and I eventually became the president.
1: But you didn't hold any of those positions other than director. I was (laughs) just chairman of the board one time
2: back in the old days. But if you look at the archived versions of that website, you can see where I'm listed chronologically as a member of that. You can see where people are listed on the board of a company. You can see historic sites for the company that my ex-wife and I own, Temple Security and Investigation, if you go to archive.org. Okay. And you can see previous trainings that
1: I offered. Wonderful. Well, Andy, this has been fabulous information. I appreciate your time, your courtesy to come share with our listeners, and uh, it's been uh, been most informative. Um, I want to tell you how much we appreciate your taking your personal time to to share with our folks. You're going to give me a gift card? Is that it? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, coming up next week, uh, next Wednesday, our uh, special guest will again be Mr. Al Hawkeiser, Esquire. And Al and I are going to be talking about judgment enforcement strategies that work and will they work for you? So until. Uh, Next week at 5 o'clock Mountain Time, just remember, it's not what you win, it's what you recover that matters. Good evening.
0: you for tuning in to the Judgment Enforcement Hour. Be sure to join Joe Dickerson and another guest next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll bring you more case studies and advice next week.